Amen. Isn't our God amazing? Amen. I thought you'd be a little more excited about that. Just hold on. Well, I've been seeing a lot of rallies lately, uh, people excited about someone or, or something that uh, gives them hope for the future, guys. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we praise this morning. We, I, I want us to have a little bit of a rally moment right now. Let's celebrate the hope we have in him. Let's praise God for Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome you here to FCC. I met a couple people at first service, the first time they'd been with us uh, for a number of reasons. I can't get to where they're usually going. If you're new, welcome. My name's Tyson. We're going to study God's word together. If you're online, we welcome you. You're not alone. Let's celebrate those that are uh, joining us online. Praise God for you. Um, if you're listening on the radio, man, we're, we're praying for you as well. We know there are reasons why we can't be together, but we long to, to be together again. There's a blessing that comes when we're gathered together in the Word. Uh, we're united by Christ today. If you're listening, if you're here, you're not alone. Ben said it so well. When Christ shows up in his presence, we have victory. And Jesus said he'd never leave us or forsake us. So as you are wherever you are uh, and you've trusted in Christ, he is with you. So stand strong in that. Uh, most people would agree, no matter where you're at, you, there's things you just don't talk about. You hear this, heard this from a young age. You don't talk about two things specifically, religion and politics. How, how many of you ever heard that? Well, we're going to talk about both today, so buckle up, all right? I just thought it would be a, a perfect time to talk about both because here's the deal. When either religion, and that's not always great, it's better to have a relationship than lean on religion, but when religion or politics begin to affect our relationship with others and our contentment in Christ, it's time to get back focused and refocused through God's word. So that's what we're going to try to do today. It's not always easy, but God's word can always refocus us and give us contentment. This whole month, we've been studying this key verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6. It starts in verse 6 as well. It says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. The word makes it clear that you are designed to be content. All throughout scripture, there's this truth that God has designed us not to live with anxiety, uh, not to, to live in division with our brothers and sisters, not to have uh, continued, continued stress, but we are meant to be able to have content through a growing and godly relationship with, with the Lord. But if you've been paying attention to the world around you, you've been listening to some of your friends, maybe the media, contentment is hard to come by right now. While our presidential and other political candidates are, are going to make promises that will honestly be very hard for them to keep, it's okay. We need to pursue and pray that God's will be done in that arena. But, but God's word from the beginning has a message for 2020 and, and what's coming next Tuesday. Here's what it is. Do not put your trust in the princess. In human beings who cannot save, do not put your trust in any party, any president, any leader, any human who can't save put your trust in the Lord. It is true our government cannot save us from the COVID crisis. It's not going to be able to save us from natural disasters or, or racial injustice. It's not even going to be able to save us from our own economy. The truth is, if we're looking for salvation in humans, we're looking in the wrong place. Now, when, when, a, when a human desires to honor God and serve others, we need to lift them up and give them uh, the place of leadership in our democracy. But we have to look to Christ and him alone for contentment. 
That's why the, I love the names of Jesus that Ben focused on this morning in that passage from Revelation. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Almighty God. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the one that we can trust in. But for months now, maybe since when the, first, uh, the, the election was over in 2016, uh, the parties have been positioning themselves for you to put their trust in them in the future for 2020 and beyond. Both political parties and other candidates are wanting us to know how they can fix the problems and give us hope. But instead of focusing most of their time on what they will do in the future to, to push us forward, have you noticed they're pointing uh, to the other party and the other person say, that's what's wrong. We hear so much about what's wrong. Instead of telling us what they will do, they focused on the flip side. But their overall message is something like this. Vote for us and everything will be fine. Vote for us and you'll be happy. Contentment is not going to be found in that. They may say, vote red, vote blue, and it'll go well for you. It's just not true, guys. True happiness and contentment doesn't come from a, a, a slogan in a campaign. Political candidates do not have the ability to bring real peace and joy to our country or your hearts. So don't place your hope in them. Don't trust them. We need to wake up and realize today, what, what I hope you hear as much as anything, is our government and or its leaders or man-made laws will not be fulfilling for our hearts and our contentment. Here's what's going to be strong, and I, I don't know that you've ever heard this because I haven't until this week. Contentment really comes when we live out Christ's law, the law of Christ. Well, what's that? We're going to find out in just a little bit. But, but Christ says godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what his word says. Paul, Paul shared with us that. Remember the words of Jesus from last week? He says to those leaders of the day, those who thought they had it all figured out, they were checking all the boxes. Well, we've done this. We've completed this to a high level. And he says, you need to focus on the more important matters. Here's what's interesting. The current leaders of this world, uh, they will ask us to deem all the things that they want to focus on as important. And I think Jesus saying this to the church today, saying it to my heart, I hope he says it to you, we need to focus on the more important matters than, than what we get caught up in in today's political climate. I want you to know, however, we will take a stand. There's going to be things the church and our leadership, and I, I, I would hope that us as brothers, sisters in Christ would take a stand on. I would pray that you online or on the radio are saying, I'm going to take a stand on this. When it crosses this line, when it goes against God's word, we're, we're going to take a clear stand. We're going to take a clear stand against evil at times and against other political positions that, that keep us from being really on focus of what we need to be on focus, and that's the mission of the Lord. It's, as Christians, it's not about being red or blue. It's about seeking to honor that one who has created you, the Father in heaven. Instead of a man or a party or any leader, we need to focus on our mission. I heard a pastor say this last week, and I love it, and I, I pray it's true of us. I, I want to declare this today. Some people say, well, Tyson, I just want to know where you stand. I want to know if, if you're red or blue or, or what you stand on this matter. Here, here's what really we need to be focused on that we're not going to take a stand on just political things because our church is not determined to stay on the fence. We are determined to stay on mission. Some people say, well, you're just going to ride in the fence. No, we're not determined to stay on the fence. We, we will take a stand on matters, but what we're more, more determined to do is stay on mission, and our mission is this, to love God, love people, and to serve all. 
Here's what I found as I've evaluated my own life. When I'm loving God and making him king of my life, because he is king, I just acknowledge him as that. When I'm loving you, brother, sister in Christ and lost world, and I'm serving all, my politics seem to fall in place with God's word. When we love him, when we love others and serve all, the politics will fall into place. It's when we get hyper-focused on any political position that is not a part of God's plan. You know what happens? We start looking at our own wants instead of God. We start loving ourselves more than other people, and we really serve no one. I think that's why Jesus tells the religious leaders of that day, you're hypocrites. Let us not be hypocrites and get so focused on political matters, we forget to love people and to honor God and to serve them like Jesus served them. Jesus was talking to these hypocrites in Matthew 23, and he says, you have neglected the more important matters to provide justice and mercy and faithfulness. If we aren't careful, the church will follow the ways of the world and focus on the less important matters. While most everything has value, there's things that have a higher value, and we can't get caught up in, in political issues that divide. And I would submit to you, when we focus on loving God, loving people, and serving all, and those matters that really do that, we will be united as a nation. But we, realize, we need to realize it all flows out of Christ. When we start at these core values in our lives, in our families, in this church and nation, we will grow and we will have contentment like we haven't seen in years. I don't know if you realize this. Jesus didn't allow, allow himself to, to like play sides. He didn't talk to these people and kind of stroke their ego and then go talk to these people. He didn't pick and choose sides. Jesus did not come to take sides. He came to take over. That's not my own thoughts. I've heard that years ago. I'm not sure who originally coined the phrase. But Jesus came to be king of your life. Not of this world, not of a political kingdom, but he came to be king of kings and lord of lords like he is. Remember when they were trying to get him to choose sides? They were like, well, you're, are you going to line up with Caesar? Or are you going to line up with these rebellious people? And they said, well, who are you going to give taxes to? Caesar? And Jesus says, well, whose face is on the coin? And Jesus says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And give to the lords what's the lords. Give to God what's his. He didn't want to take sides on petty matters. Even in big matters like taxes, he's like, we're going to honor God first and then let everything else fall into place. When we love God, love people, serve all, our politics will fall into proper place. Jesus came to be king. The question is, is he king of your life? Next Tuesday, are you going to be more concerned who will be the president for the next two years? Or are you going to really allow Jesus to be your king forever? What, what are you trusting in? And I know we can do both. We've had, we've had great leaders in our country. I love the fact we live in a democracy. Our, our democracy, our nation, I believe, is the greatest form of government this world has ever seen. But we must understand that we are followers of Christ well before we're Americans. We're followers of the kingdom of God. We're children of his kingdom. And secondly, we're Americans. And then a distant third is if you're red or blue, Democrat or Republican. And sometimes we get that all flipped upside down. I don't know how many times the last month I've been asked, well, what is your really political position? I don't mean to be on the fence. I just want us to focus more on our mission as a church. We cannot allow our political affiliation to ruin our personal relations. We can't allow in any one political aspect of our lives to affect our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our ability to serve them. So because sometimes if we state a political affiliation that's not from God's word, people are going to withdraw from us and run from us and the message of Christ. 
I wonder who's your king. No matter who wins or loses next week, first and foremost, here's the good news. Take a breath. I need to slow down for just a moment. Take a breath. No matter who is in charge of, of, our, of our nation, of the House or the, the Senate, we have an ability to be sons and daughters of the King. And He is sovereign. He, he's the Lord of our kingdom. And in that kingdom, there is no voting. When he returns, democracy is going to be the furthest thing from our minds. Uh, God, as the king, is sovereign, and his word is to be studied, but not necessarily debated, because it is truth. Last week, I, I shared this. Francis Chan said this years ago. He said, when we study God's word, and there's something about it that conflicts with my thoughts or my thinkings, I have to assume that I'm wrong. In fact, I would trust that you would know that you're wrong. But our minds are going to go to different ideas and thoughts. And when we find God's word has a difference, God's word wins. And that's the same with our political views. We cannot allow our politics to shape our faith. But we should always allow our faith in God's word to shape our politics. Ronald Reagan said it best, I think, as far as a man... He was acknowledging that God was king and that we're one nation under God, and, and that's so important. He says this, if we ever forget we are one nation under God, then we'll, we will be one nation gone under. Man, that's powerful. It is not so much about who is the president at the time. It is that, that that president needs to acknowledge that we are still one nation under God. He is the authority. His word is law and his word is good, and we must stand with that. Here's what I want us to process for a moment, a little exercise. As you're filtering through a candidate or a matter, maybe it's a judge or any, any matter that would be brought before you in this democracy, if it flows under God's word and his law, it is not only good, it could also be godly, and we can stand with that. But if a leader or some movement or law does not come under God's word and his law, then it is not only good, it is not godly. It's not good or godly. And we need to stand against that. We need to do our very best with our ability in a democracy to change that, to bring it back under God, one nation under God. My heart hurt this week as I evaluated some laws that I believe have come out of our democracy that is not godly or good, and they need to be adjusted. I'll first say this. God allows for divorce. Most of us know someone that's divorced. We probably have someone very close to us been divorced. You may yourself may be divorced. God allows for divorce, yet I believe it breaks his heart because he knows how much pain it brings. He allows for that scripture through very specific unfaithfulness. He says, you can divorce. Yet this week I had a good friend of mine that was served with divorce papers, and the only thing that he understands that has been checked to pursue this divorce, the only thing that had to be acknowledged within our state law is this, that his divorce or his marriage is irretrievable. That's a word I had to read it. It's a word I don't use very much. Irretrievable. It, it literally means it cannot be brought back. Why? Well, I don't know. We just have acknowledged it's irretrievable. and It's not irreconcilable. That used to be this common text. Now under law, you can just say it's irretrievable. It's, it's no hope. Guys, we believe that in, in Christ, through God, everything has hope. Amen? And that even though a marriage can be very tough, very, very uh, hurtful, unless it flows under God's law and his word, that's only going to bring a lack of contentment in the future and a heartache and pain. I pray for those that are going through this pain, but I pray that they would understand nothing is impossible with God. Even through marital unfaithfulness, we can possibly work through it. God says, I'll allow for this, but 
Trust in me. Another law that's throughout our nation and in our state that allows for something that is greatly outside of God's desire and his law and his word is the fact that millions of babies' lives are taken before they're born. God's word clearly says, thou shalt not murder. God's word clearly says that we should be in a position, we protect life every chance we get, and millions of babies are uh, discarded just because of choice. And I, my heart breaks for those that have went through that before. And I know, uh, I want you to know, you have a hope and a future, even if that's happened in your past, to someone you love or yourself or your, your wife. There is a great hope in the future, but we need to, as a nation, our democracy, say this law is not consistent with God's word or his law, and it's ungodly and not good, and we need to protect life. Those of you just said amen, be careful because it goes both ways. If, if you're, amen, amen to that. But here's the deal. Sometimes we, we get in these, tent, uh, these, uh, these uh, uh, columns of thought, um, red or on blue, and, and there's people in, in the most conservative party that's wanting to make laws that come against the foreigner or the alien. And God's word is clear if you study that he loves the foreigner. He, he loves God's people to embrace the, the alien, the people, the outsider. And, and so much of, uh, of a movement uh, that, that believes they're conservative, God's word, will then say, well, the, uh, we're going to protect babies, we're going to protect marriage, but no one can, else can come in our nation. We need to be very careful that laws are not established that are ungracious or unjust to the foreigner, the alien. And I don't really know what all that means, but, but we have to abide by all of God's word, not just by what we think is best to protect our lives. God's word, God's law is what everything funnels out of for everything for us to be blessed, have contentment. Abraham Lincoln, dealing with other topics, knew that we would struggle with this because they struggled with it. In 1863, he realized that the nation and the parties he was involved in began to think they had all the answers, just like the psalmist did in the Old Testament. But he came up with Proclamation 97. I would encourage you to search that this week. Proclamation 97 something I didn't know about until today, or this week an elder shared it with me. And here's what was happening. The nation was being blessed, but they were also divided. Does that sound familiar? And he said that we need to go back to one nation under God, but he said it this way with a lot more eloquent word. Here's what he said, and the Senate said, whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of our nation, no, of Almighty God. God, in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day of national prayer and humiliation. Guys, I would pray that you would humbly come before God as well and say, God, lead our leaders to honor you as supreme. That's what, that's what this is saying. It's an appeal to God to bring us back under him. He says, whereas it is the duty of nations as well as men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Man, that's powerful. The, the president is acknowledging the Holy Scriptures of God and history points to God being king. He says, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand that preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of, our, deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by our, 
by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. He goes, we have deceived ourselves to think we've done it. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Guys, this is happening again. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power. He's talking about God. To confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. And he goes on and on. I would encourage you to read that this week. But he is declaring that God's word, history, points to to God being king and we need to come under him as one nation again. It's a plea for God's power to be alive. And I would pray that between the next like 10 days that, that we would humble ourselves and plead to God, God, lead us to be under you again. We're sorry, we have sinned and come under his word and his law and his rule. Even as Americans, especially as Americans. And the pinnacle of this law is Christ's law. Well, what is that? Christ's law is something we don't talk about much because we don't want to be under law. We're free Americans, right? Christ's law is powerful. But what is law in general? Law, in general, is a ruling and defining correct behavior, the correct behavior or procedure. A law or a command by God from the beginning was designed to protect us, to allow us to have a behavior that would lead to peace and contentment and a blessing. And when we go outside of that, we're, we're often there's no contentment, there's no blessing. Originally, in the Old Testament, God established 613 laws. 613. 248 of them were things to do. Like in our house, we got a lot of laws of what to do, rules of what to do, brush your teeth, uh, you know, take out the trash or so-and-so. We, we've got rules to, of what to do. There, there was 248 of these, honor your father, mother, but 365 of these laws were things not to do. Do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not murder, all, all these There was one for every day. You do the math. There's one law not to do for every day. It would be hard to remember these, let alone do them. And God knew this. That's why Jesus had to come, because no one was able to stand perfect under God's law, because he is perfect and we're not perfect. But Jesus came and simplified this for us. One time a leader came to him and said, Jesus, man, if there was just one thing we could focus on, what would be the most important law? Jesus told him too. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He says, that's... That's one of them. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He, he, he combined them to our mission, really. Love God, love people. You see how that works? But Jesus knew that we would even fail at doing that because I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't even love myself very well. I don't take care of myself. In fact, if I loved you the way I love myself, a lot of times I'd be, I would be failing what God would have me to do. So Jesus simplified it for us even more, and this is the law of Christ. He took it from 6.13 to 2 to 1. And he says, this is a new command I give you. Love one another. Not as, as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. He, he raises the bar. He says, don't just love people the way you love yourself. Love them as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So our mission is love God, love people. But how do you love people like Jesus loved them? Paul explains it at least twice, I believe, in the New Testament. He gives us a picture to honor Christ's law. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He says this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to fulfill Christ's law, if you want to be walking under God's word, he says carry each other's burdens. 
Eh, here's the problem, Tyson. It's COVID. I can't even really be around anyone. I know. That is a big problem. During the COVID crisis, if you're going to live out Christ's law, you've still got to draw close to people. Maybe through a phone call, maybe by going and being with them, but somehow you've got to draw close to them so you can carry the burdens. Have you ever tried to carry somebody's load from 10 feet away? It doesn't work. Have you ever tried to uh, change somebody's tire and say, well, I'm going to stay in my car and I wish you well? There's times and places, even during this crisis, where we've got to draw close to people so we can carry their burdens. So we can offer them a hug or a handshake or, or come alongside them and meet their needs. I'm so blessed by many of you who still come close to me. Who are you coming close to right now? We, we've got to carry each other's burdens. The Word of God goes on to explain this. Well, Tyson, there are people that just don't want to carry anything. I agree. The Word of God makes it clear we're to carry our own load. Uh, I've heard it explained this way. Everyone's kind of got a backpack, maybe a 20, 30. Some people can carry 200 pounds. Crystal Grove just walked a, a great path, and, and, and they were carrying a lot of weight on their back. They knew how to carry it. She was hiking in the mountains. You can carry a pretty big load, but you can't carry your own burden. The Bible says we need to carry each other's burdens. We've got to get close enough to carry our burdens of one another you got to get close to that single parent who's got a burden. Man, right now, I'm so thankful for Tiffany. I would, with five kids and the COVID crisis and everything, I, I couldn't do it on my own. So we need to step up alongside single parents who have been doing it on their own and are probably exhausted, maybe a little uh, stressed, and we need to come alongside them and know what their burden is and carry it. They've been carrying a load. Let's carry it for them. What single parent do you know that you can meet a need for? Maybe just get their groceries. Have you ever tried to, to work a full day at work, have the kids in e-learning, come home do e-learning, and then have to go to the grocery store where you can't take the kids possibly, they don't feel like it's safe? Maybe that's something you could do. But we need to get close enough we can care for them. Maybe it's a person of a different race. Have you ever been close enough to carry someone's burden that's different than you? Maybe it's not a different race or a different skin color. It may be a different political affiliation. And because of those differences, we run from them. The Word of God is saying if you're going to be like Christ, you're going to run to people that are different and carry their burdens and listen to them. Isn't that what Jesus did? Maybe it's an elderly person or a person that's got a health complication, and they've been at home for months, and they feel trapped in their own home. They're, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they just need some fresh air and sunshine, but they're so limited by their concerns that they can't go anywhere. How can you reach out to them? Maybe it's going to their house and talking to them through their window, just smiling. Let them see a smiling face of another human being. What, what can you do to, to get close enough to carry a burden for the benefit of sharing the gospel? That's the way Paul goes on to describe it in this other place where he describes the law of Christ. Look with me to 1 Corinthians 9. So, so far we've seen we're to love God, we're to love people, and that transitions into carrying their burden and serving them. And here in this passage, he specifically says, I'm going to be their slave. Look what it says. He goes, though I am free, I belong to no one. Man, that sounds American as American get. I'm free. Freedom! I've got rights. That's what Paul's saying. I'm free. I've got rights. I belong to no one. He goes, but I've made myself a slave to everyone. Uh, that, that word slave can obviously be translated. If you've studied uh, the Greek language, if you've heard much of this, it's the idea of I'm willing to serve whoever needs served to win as many as possible. He goes, so we're going to love God, love people, and then we're going to be a slave. We're going to serve others. He goes, example, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. That was a different race. Paul, as a non-Jew, would have stayed away 
He, he, he would have been like, no, I'm going to have no, nothing to do with, with them. He says, those under the law became like one under law, though I myself am not under the law. As to win those under the law, to those not having the law became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. What we've been talking about here. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may possibly win, though I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, to share Jesus, that I might share in his blessing. Paul says, sure, I'm free. I've got all these rights, but I'm willing to give them up for the sake of sharing the love of Jesus. Man, we're blessed with rights. And there's rights we're going to not stand on the fence. We're going to step out and say, no, we're going to protect these rights. To worship God, to assemble, uh, to, to bring up our children with the truth of God's word. There, there's some rights we're going to do to protect. But Paul says, there's some rights I have that I'm going to walk away from for the sake of meeting the needs of someone else. You're like, well, that doesn't sound American. It's not. It's called Christian. There's times when we say, my rights are not as important as sharing the good news of Jesus. It's not easy because I was raised as a strong American. I'm an American. I praise God I'm American, but I'm a Christ follower first. And we have, to, we have to work at reminding ourselves that's truth. What are you willing to do to share the gospel? Last week we talked about things that we would be willing to give, to be a slave to in this language. Our time, our talent, our treasure. Paul says, all these things are mine. Uh, they've come to me as a blessing, but I'm going to be willing to serve others through these things so that people know Jesus, so that I might win some to the good news of Christ. Man, I want to thank you for using your time, talents, and treasure. Right now, I want to pause and just celebrate the way we have used your treasure. Right before COVID hit, we were doing something that this church has always done, and man, it's been a good thing ever since I've been here and well before, the love offering. This year, we called it a new name. It was perfect time. The offering of hope, because our vision is now hope changed everything. So we started collecting the hope offering. We were going to give money to uh, uh, eliminate medical debt for Bond County on pennies on the dollar, and it was going to impact lives. And we were also going to give money to Haitian Christian Outreach. And then COVID happened. We didn't talk about that very much because we didn't know the way things were going to go. But we, we continued to have that, that resource available. We made note of that on online media and stuff when we weren't meeting. And you continued to give. And those balances grew. And last week, the missions team and the elders, and we have decided to give that money in entirety to Haitian Christian Outreach right now. For one reason, there was a donor globally who said, whatever money is given this month, I'm going to double. I'm going to match it. So we're like, let's do it right now. So we're giving that money to the Haitian Christian Outreach to continue to build schools for children, uh, to have food, to have school, and to hear about Jesus. Let's praise God. Amen. So does that mean we're not giving uh, the $10,000 we thought to eliminate uh, medical debt? That's true right now. During COVID, medical debt and things like that ceased to matter near as much as it did before. And we are going to keep that on a radar to do in the future, but there are kids that are hungry. There are kids that need to hear the word of God. And our ability to, to give someone hope through medical debt, that can come again. But right now, if you get a, a card in the mail about your medical debt, uh, try to trust God in that, that, that he is going to provide in some way. But there are bigger issues right now. The world has been changed, but Jesus' hope still changes everything. I wonder, since the pandemic hit, what have you done to share the gospel? 
Have you been giving your time to maybe a single parent, uh, an elderly person, a person who is restricted from leaving because of health? Maybe have you reached out to anyone who's different than you? Maybe they are Republican. Maybe they are Democrat. Maybe they're, uh, uh, they're black or they're Hispanic or, or they're white. They're different than you. Would you step across the lines and begin to love someone so they would hear the good news of Jesus? Carry their burdens and serve them because we love God, we love people, and we want to serve all. You know, the world is going to be turned upside down likely next Tuesday or next Wednesday. Guys, I'm, I'm suggesting we may not know who the president is for a month. Jesus Christ is king. It's going to be okay. We need to ask God, God, bless us as we come under you. And you're like, Tyson, what could we do right here in Bond County? Because we kind of know what, what things are going to happen in, in the state of Illinois and everything. When we love God, love people, and serve all, the movement of Christians right here in Bond County can affect the world. It did it with 12 other disciples or 11 and a few followers after Christ left. It'll do it again. You want to be a part of that team? Amen. You want to be a follower of Christ? It's time to step up and, and Put away your rights and some of your privileges today and live for him. Today we're going to sing a song and it's going to declare that Christ is, uh, Christ is king and God is great. As the band comes to lead us in that song, I would ask you to consider if you've ever done that. Have you ever made Christ king of your life? And if you haven't, D uh, will be over here and I'll be here and we'd love to pray with you. would love to talk to you. If you have, if Christ has been my king the whole time, I want you to recommit today. At some point in the song, stay seated. But when you feel the Holy Spirit and you feel your mind and your heart agree that you are trusting in Christ king, I would pray that you would stand and, and sing with us. And I hope that at the end of this song that we would all be standing together. But if Christ is your king and you're just playing games, let that wrestle in your heart. And at the right moment, I pray that God would lead you to make him Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we sing, as we praise you, I, I would ask that we evaluate who's really our king. Is it our own thoughts, our own wishes, our own parties, or is it Jesus? We thank you for him. In his, his name we pray. Amen.